I still can't believe when I hear someone that has never seen it before. I love getting recognized as the chatbooks lady. The chatbooks lady. Is that a compliment or you're like... 100%. I love it when people be like, I know you from something. What is it? And my husband used to say, she's the chatbooks lady. I loved walking into that audition because I was like, I'm not just reading for the part. I order chatbooks. I'm the customer. A you know, like I felt like customer. I was like this real like walking ad. I was like, I order these, you guys. I have a bunch of reels. For real. I've been doing research for this role for a really long time. Are you one of the 100 million people that have seen our Chatbooks commercial that starts with a mom in the bathtub fully clothed? If so, you know how hilarious Lisa Valentine Clark is. She's the actress in that viral video starring as the character of Real Mom. And today, for this first episode of season two of the podcast, you'll see just how real she is and how she keeps laughing even through life's hardest moments. Do you have pressing questions about parenting but don't know who to ask? Well, that's where I come in. I'm Vanessa Quigley, entrepreneur and mother of seven, and this is the MomForce podcast brought to you by Chatbooks. What's the MomForce, you ask? It's the power of women supporting women. And in each episode, I'll be chatting with some truly incredible guests to get answers to some of the toughest parenting questions. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share with your friends because together we are stronger. Welcome to the Mom Force. Hello, hello. Hey, before we start with our interview, I want to let you know that this season of the podcast is going to be a little different. Last season, we released one and even sometimes two episodes a week, and my four sisters were my trusty and loyal co-hosts. This season, it's just going to be me meeting one-on-one with some incredible guests to really dive deep into juicy topics. And there will be fewer but longer episodes. But don't worry, there will be plenty of the kind of content we know you love with my sisters. You can find that over on my Instagram. Okay, now on to my chat with Lisa. But thank you so much for being here on the Mom Force podcast. We have Lisa Valentine Clark, our chapbook's real mom. I know your days start early, right? You're the host of The Lisa Show. Mm -hmm. On BYU Radio. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What time do you wake up to get to work? I wake up in the four o'clock hour, depending on the day. Uh, You know, I'm used to it now, but it took a good year to get used to it. How do you do the rest of the day getting up? I can't even imagine. Again, it kind of depends on the day, but usually like if I just, eyes on the prize, focus, then I sleep really well. But come about 7 p.m., 8 p.m., I'm just dead you to the world. Fading. Yeah. Are you a napper? Do you- sometimes, yeah. Yeah. But that can like mess your schedule sometimes. But yeah, if it's been a particularly rough night or I got to bed really late, then I'll just turn it on and then I come home and then I think I promised myself a nap and that can kind of get me through the rest of the day. Well, the Lisa show is so fun. So it's a two hour radio show. And then if you miss it live, you can listen to it as a podcast. And it's just like a fun conversation with you and Richie. And actually, I would like to take Richie's place. I want Richie's job. I want to be here at Richie. See ya. Thanks for your help. Bye. I love it so much because I love how you share personal things. And you're a mother of five. Yep. And you're often sharing things that you do as a mom in your house and with your kids and with your family. And it's all so real. Oh, thanks. I I really want it to be that way. I don't want it to be like, well, I do it like, you know, and and present some sort of glossy thing. No, it's, hey, we're all in this together. Keeping it real. Let's help each other out. Maybe this will work. Maybe this will work. Yeah. You know, it's just some good ideas. Okay. So 
you're the real mom. That's the name of the character oh, yes. in the chapbooks commercial. <laughs> it's the one that starts with Lisa in the bathtub, fully clothed. <laughs> now, I have to know, as you were um, preparing this character, did you draw on any inspiration or is it you? Or is it me? I would love to say that, you know, I am, when I talk about my craft, I like to think about my process and Stenslovsky. No, you know, like I wish that I had a better answer than I really tried to make it real because in, in talking to you and what we really wanted to accomplish with this, it was like, no, we want it real moms to really understand it. And that's why I was so excited to do it because I just thought finally somebody like cares about my experience, you yeah. know, what I've been through, which it sounds like like I've just had a post-traumatic stress disorder, <laughs> which, you know, motherhood Sometimes kind motherhood of feels like yes. that. Yeah, where you just look around and you're like, there are no cameras here. This is, This day was ridiculous. Like it was just comedy. And I felt like that commercial just hit the nail on the head of, Things that you just feel like when you're that that seem ordinary, but then to the outside world, are ridiculous. Well, and it's it's so relatable, and that's why we got millions and millions and millions of you because of content, but also because of the performance. <laughs> Thank you. So, did you always want to be an actress? Um, yes, yeah, I think so. When I was little. I love to play dress up. We love to put on plays in the backyard, but it was always one of those things where I'll never be an actress, so I better have a backup plan kind of thing. I don't know, but I always worked kind of as an actress and I did it in high school and in college and then later in auditioning for things and just on the side. And even when my kids were little or I was pregnant and I didn't have time to really devote a lot to it, I would put the kids to bed and go do improv at night at a local club and just anything I could do just because I loved it so much. And I just thought it was just really, it was just a way to goof off and play around and nothing that I took seriously. So did you, you didn't expect to make a career out of it, make no. money being mm -hmm. an actress. I mean, it's oh, a dream. It is a dream. And every time I go to the movies, that's what I'm always saying to Nate. Oh, I wish I could do that. This is what I want to do in my next life. So Not that great. I'd be any good out of it, but no, just totally. the challenge of like taking on this whole persona yeah. and being someone different. Mm -hmm. And but, really studying and getting their head. And But you yeah. tend to play characters that are, I think, very much like you. Maybe Lisa <laughs> with a couple extra cans of Red totally. Bull or something. <laughs> yeah, just a little tweak, right? Up. And I yeah. feel like all actors have that to some extent because I have spent a lot of time you know, with actors. My husband was a director. And, and there are different sort of acting theories where you find something authentic and that you can connect to, and then you can, you can build a character, you can build an acting performance off of that. So do you have a favorite role that you've played besides the real mom? I know. I was going to say, real mom's pretty... It's pretty up there. It's pretty up there. I think that ties with Carrie Carrington from Once, Once I Was, I was a, a Beehive. Beehive. Yeah. Because I feel like I was playing my sister, Gina. And so I got to play my sister, Gina. And so it was so fun to Down do. Down to the bejeweled, like, no, J.Crew necklaces, collared necklaces. Oh, yeah. And the binder. In fact, oh, I called her up when we had that script, and I said, Gina, I'm playing you in a movie. And she goes, good, you should. And I said, so I'm doing a little research, and I'm going to be the girls' camp director. And she goes, well, do you have a binder? And I said, uh, funny thing, you should say that because it's the opening scene. And she goes, good. Do you want to borrow mine so you can get ready? Like, she was just focused on every little detail. So oh, it was right. a lot of fun. You also, in addition to your radio show, you are on BYU TV's show, The Show Offs, yeah. right? Which is an improv show. No right? script. There's no script. No lines. You just back and no forth plot. with your castmates. 
say something, and then you say yes, and, and you move on to the next thing, right? Is that yep. how it works? Yep. Very good. Very it's, good. It sounds so scary, it's but so also fun. so fun. I've watched your show a few times, and I'm always like, oh, good choice. She just nailed that. <laughs> but I feel like motherhood is 24-7 improv. Like, okay, you're barfing in the middle of the night. Yeah. Yes, and so now what are we're going to do about it. Not like, no, I, I don't accept this reality exactly. right now. Like, yeah, just go with it, and it's a lot easier. So, how do you do that through motherhood? What, what's the? How do I use uh, imp- improv? Yeah, I, I feel like at first I sort of fought it because I had this idea, like a lot of us do when we have kids, of what life will be like and what having a baby will be like mm-hmm. and what having a toddler, and and we have this sort of narrative in our head about what it should be like, and I think that's really damaging to moms. I think we're seeing the result of that because we see it you know, on social media and we, we think, well, she's got it all because she has X, Y, Z or her kids do X, Y, Z or whatever. And we make up these scenarios and these stories in our heads that aren't real. Yeah. And so I think it was around the time of, you know, a couple of kids, more than one, less than four or something that I, I started figuring, oh yeah, nobody knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. We're all making We're it up. We're all making it up. <laughs> Some of us are just better at hiding it than others. You yeah. know what I mean? Some of us are, are good at polishing it up. And I just thought, well, I don't care about that. I, 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 there's only so many hours in a day. I'm going to give up trying to have this idea of what it should be and just try to stay in the moment, yeah. try, try to be present and parent the kids that I have, which are all super individual and different, like all of our kids, right? Yeah. So comparing is just not going to get you anywhere. And so taking it as it comes and then saying, okay, so then what does that mean? Well, it means something totally different every minute of yeah. every day. And it can be overwhelming, but if you think of it as just the flow of life and everyone else is experiencing this too, so it's okay, then really it's another way of describing like living in the moment. Yeah. If you're so not my in, oldest yeah. is 25. How old is Miles? 22. 22. Okay, so we've been at this for a while. Yeah. And I still struggle with not having a script. Like, yeah, I've been doing this yes and as mm-hmm. a mother for a long yeah. time, but I still have some things in my mind that this is how it's supposed to go. And when it doesn't work out, yeah. it's so hard. I mean, I think it's impossible to say that you don't have any expectations for your kids yeah, or you what you think goals mother. and have ambitions and vision boards. And, and you want the best for your kids. <laughs> yes. And guess who knows the best? Mom. Mm-mm. You know? And sometimes your kids are like, oh, that's nice for you. Mm-hmm. That must be nice. Mm-hmm. I want something different. Yeah. You know? And so then the, the choice sometimes you're faced with is how tightly are you going to hold on to that idea of what you wanted for your kids because it comes at a price, right? Like you're always choosing between something else. So... Sometimes I've thought, okay, so I can either fight my kid on this choice or I can have a good relationship with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I can insist on this or they'll want to come back and visit me and talk to me. Yeah. But you can't sometimes have both. You can't have both. No. Yeah. Well, I think that humor is key for getting through, especially these hard times where your your hopes and dreams might be having to be tweaked, pivoted totally. to another to another path. So let's talk about humor in motherhood. Well, I think that laughing at motherhood is, has got me a career, really. Yes. <laughs> you no, know? No, like for sure. when I audition and I have to, uh, you know, for different roles, I can't think of any different, you know, scenario with a whole gamut of emotions that I haven't experienced in motherhood, right? So all of my experience is all from motherhood. So 
And I and I feel like sometimes people are like, oh, you know, I'm just a mom. And they sort of like downplay that. But but in my real life, I do this or whatever. And I just think, nope, that's real life. That's yeah. actually what's real. And those experiences as a mother, I feel like are it's boot camp for anything else you want to do. Oh, like as an yeah. entrepreneur, oh, like sure. everything that I do or know how to do comes from my experiences. Yeah, because you're mother. scrappy. Scrappy. Yeah, because you you know how to hustle, you know how to work creative, even though you're super tired. Hardworking. Mm-hmm. Loyal, true. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Stuff. Oh, I agree. Okay. Let's talk about some more mom humor. Okay. We did a series called Pretty Darn Funny. Yes. And I don't know if a lot of people know about this, but my favorite bit is the drop-off dickie. <laughs> so you guys, how ridiculous. many people do school drop-offs <laughs> in your pajamas? No shoes. Yeah. Without a care. Messy bun. But you never know when you're going to get called out uh-uh. by the PTA president. And you know, so. there's that lady yeah. who's looking to who's see. Who's always like, oh, I just can't get it together this morning. And you're like, all right, Cheryl, calm down. So Lisa had a business on top little dicky that she put on over her nightgown on the skit. We'll link it in the show notes. You have to check it out. But that just made me laugh so much because that is true <laughs> mom life right there. Do, do your kids think you're funny? This your is such funny. a hard question. I... My kids love me. I don't think they think I'm funny. Not in a mean way, but just in a way that like... Because you're mom. Because I'm their mom. They'll appreciate me when they get older, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Well, what what makes you laugh, though, in your mom life? Oh, everything. I think the most ridiculous... The more ridiculous things, the better makes me laugh, mm-hmm. you know? My kids make me laugh a ton. They do and say things Do they things appreciate you laughing all. at them? Yeah, they love it. <laughs> they love it. That's like a big stamp of yeah. approval. If, if you they get mom can, to laugh, mm-hmm. that's like high praise. Yeah, absolutely. And so we just... We laugh at probably more things than, than most, you know? Sometimes it can be a little dark at times, but... That's because we've had some dark moments lately. Yeah. And so Christopher and I were really like, hey, we're going to give you permission to laugh about everything. There are few things in life that you shouldn't laugh about. I Very few. Agree. I totally agree. Like maybe two. Okay. Well, I'll say one of them that I felt really awkward laughing is I was asked to give the prayer on Christmas Eve, and it was a very special family oh, prayer. Yes. And I wanted to be really solemn and reverent. And so I was trying to choose my words carefully, and I uttered the phrase, the reason for the season. (laughs) And I bust out laughing. I could not control it. I got looks of scorn. Come on now. Take it seriously. Maybe maybe that was not one of the appropriate times. But there are so many times where we do need that humor. Okay. In your family... Yes. Are you the funny one? In my, I'm the oldest of 12 kids, and my brother Ryan has always been designated oh, the funny oh, one. Although I think- Is I'll, he? He's pretty funny. I mean, a lot of my siblings are funny. I don't know why he's gotten that like badge of honor. But my dad <laughs> is funny. Like he, yeah. he, he's actually really serious. He's okay. a lawyer. Oh. He doesn't say very much. He's a little mm-hmm. stern, but out of the blue, he'll like put on a creepy Halloween mask and like oh. walk through the kitchen in his underwear. And you're like, okay. Okay. <laughs> So I grew up with that kind of sense of humor, but I'm just curious about your family because you have so many outstandingly talented people in your family. If you don't know, Lisa's brother is famous. (laughs) Tell us what he does. So my little brother James is in Maroon 5. He's the lead guitarist. Jimmy V. Jimmy He's V. He's very talented. Yeah. And then your sister, Amanda, she mm-hmm. was on Project One Runway and yeah. an accomplished fashion designer. Yep. And Gina sounds amazing. Yeah, Gina is the most <laughs> of all of the siblings. I just say, like, whatever you think, Gina's the most. Gina can do anything and do it well. Like, if you ask her, hey, do you think you could help me fix my car or, like, make some drapes for my... And she's like, and yeah, she'd be I like, got you. Yeah, I can figure it out. 
So what did your parents do? Did they do something? And I should say, too, I have an older brother, Chris, who's a physician. Okay. There you Two. go. Who's, Five. Who's also an artist. He's very talented. Five amazing. Well, no, we just accomplished all need a lot creative. of attention, apparently. <laughs> but no, but I want to know, what did your parents do to help foster such creativity in their kids? It's so funny. I, I think that like our home growing up was a lot of fun. It was kind of a competition when you ask, like, who's the funniest? Like... To kind of one up. Do you know what I mean? So when you say, Do you think you're the funniest? I can just hear my siblings going, Well, she thinks she is. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like nobody will give the the award for it. But like our dad made us laugh a lot. And he also just encouraged us to work for ourselves. So I think that we always had that idea of like, oh yeah, you're on your own. Like do what you want to do. Don't wait for somebody else. And then also like my mom would always say like, don't let anybody else define you. Just because if you want to have kids and stay home with your kids for a period of time, it doesn't mean like you're not being creative or like your life has stopped or your career experience has stopped. You're always doing stuff, whether you get paid for it, you volunteer for it, like life is happening. It's never paused. So I kind of had that attitude. Oh, maybe I'll try this or maybe I'll try that. I don't know. My mom kind of did the same too and, yeah. and taught me that there are seasons. Like you might not be able to do everything right now, but yeah. there's no limit to what you can do. Yeah, just just maybe just yeah. one season. And I think it's fun too to encourage each other. Like my sister who's a fashion designer, I tried to learn how to sew. I can't. So it's something I totally appreciate that I have no talent for at all. And so we're just like, well, what are you doing? Well, how are you doing that? Well, what's going on? And, you know, kind of egging each other on of like, that's so cool. Yeah, you should totally do that. Or, you know. Yeah. Or my problem. brother calling me, should I quit this band and go with these guys and do that? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm the wrong person to ask, but this is so cool. He chose the right band. He chose he the right. He did really, Let's just really say well. <laughs> he didn't need any advice from me. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Tell me a little bit about the the timing of the Chatbooks commercial. Oh, my gosh. I had gotten this call to audition. It was like, hey, I think you'd be good for this. We want you to audition for this role. And they sent over the sides, and I was like, oh. I'd love chapbooks. I would love this role. I think I signed up for the first audition on the first day, which I don't know if that's wise that or not. Makes me so but happy. I but I I think I was yeah, I think it was the first. And so I went to the audition and I really liked it. And you know, you never know because you go to an audition and it's in your head and I practiced so much. And then you go and do it in front of strangers who you just met. Sometimes they laugh and sometimes they don't cuz they don't want to like influence the take or whatever. And so you just, it's like you're practicing in front of a brick wall in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. And so then I went home and then usually after an audition, I try to just forget about it. Cause if you want it too much, then you can just like torture yourself. Yeah. But then I got a call to come to the callback, which I was really excited about. At this time though, my husband had just recently been diagnosed with ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, which is a terminal disease that has no treatment and no cure. And it's just the worst news that you could possibly get. And kind of the beginning had just sort of the, the shock was just done, and it was like, what are we doing? Like, what is life even? And my husband has this great attitude, and he would just be like, oh, we just live our lives. Like, we don't know how long this will last. Like, some people live for a long time. The average age is two to five years from diagnosis. But he's like, I could be the long – we don't know. So I'm going to go to work, and you're going to go to work, and we're going to raise our kids. Usual. Like, And I was like, okay, yeah, totally. You know, mm-hmm. like, let's just do this. But – So kind of have that in the back of our mind. ALS has a a really cruel way of like waking you up to the realities of it because you don't know what's next or how fast it will go. So he at that time had been walking with a walker 
to kind of stabilize him. And he was getting his walker out of his car and he fell and hit his head and like blacked out for a second. He called me and he just was totally distraught. And it, something like that had never happened before. And he just was really struck with his limitations. Like, oh, this is really happening. And yeah. and I r- rushed and got him and we went to Instacare and we talked to the doctor and and, and did all this stuff. And then we were laying in bed together crying, <laughs> which is so awful. Oh. And I was like, oh, I have a call back. <laughs> and okay. I called callback and I was like, I'm not going to be able to come to the callback. Thanks for the opportunity. Because you just know in the acting, like if you miss your callback, yeah. they don't care. Like no, moving casting. on, there's a million, like, other, there's a million other people up. who could do the role. So I was like, thanks so much for the opportunity. And they were like, hey, is everything okay? And I was like, I just have a family emergency. I just, you know, was very vague. And they, and anyway, they called me back the next day and said, we'd still like mm-hmm. to, to have you do a callback. And I'll take I, credit for that. Thank Thank you. Well, I just, as soon as I made that text, because I just was like, there's no way I'm going to go and like be funny mom after going through this. And it's just so interesting to me, like a million things like that have happened in my life where it's like, this is so sad and real right now. And then something fun happens or something funny happens. And then you go, oh, now what? Oh, we're in a bathtub in our clothes. Okay. Yeah, sure. I'm so struck with like the sort of yin and yang and the lightness and darkness of yeah. life because then I got cast and I was on set and I was laughing so hard and we were like what about this what about this and doing all these takes and having to redo takes because I was laughing or the crew was laughing like uh-huh. just having the best time and then going home and calling doctors and crying and I think I came to set one day and told the makeup lady that I had really bad allergies and that's why my Eyes were really puffy. Mm-hmm. She's like, and okay, she believed you. Cool. <laughs> oh gosh, you know, just life's ridiculous like that. But there's place for both. But you that's need the thing, both. you know. That's I think a balance. lot of people think that you have to choose. Like now we have this diagnosis, so life will be tragic and sad all the time. Well, it will be a lot more than before, but not for everything. Yeah. So. Well, I'm glad that Chapel is able to play a part in I helping know. you it's find part your of yang the story. to that yang. <laughs> oh my gosh, Lisa, you mentioned that your husband. Topher, Christopher, formerly, but we call him Topher, Yes, was diagnosed with ALS. How many years ago was that? Uh, March of 2016. And he just recently passed away. Yeah, June 5th, 2020. So for those that, that might not know, what what is ALS? Oh, it's like, the worst. I really only knew yeah. there was a bucket challenge. You yeah, like dumped ice, ice bucket water challenge. on your head. That's, yeah, it's called Lou Gehrig's disease or amyotrophic sclerosis. Anyway, ALS. Um, it is a neurodegenerative disease that basically just, they don't know what causes it. There are no treatments for it. There is for sure no cure. hundred percent of people who get it die. There's not a lot of awareness for it or, and that's what the ice bucket challenge was trying to do. Steve Gleason, who was a, yeah, yeah. I watched that documentary. He has, yeah, he's had a documentary. He started a foundation that basically, um, helps out people who, this this disease is horrible in so many ways. Uh, financially, it ruins families because the equipment, everything that you need to adapt, um, uh, because nothing is really FDA approved as far as like treatments or anything. Everything's out of pocket. It's awful. 
Um, I just call it the worst. It's just like the worst case scenario. As, as we were trying to figure out, why is your body doing this? What's this? And we got MRIs and blood tests and everything. You know, we were thinking, is it cancer? Is it a brain tumor? Da, 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 da. And ALS was on the bottom of the list. Like, well, it can't be that because that's the worst thing. And it's super rare. And for sure you don't have that. But as we crossed everything off the list and we were like, oh, please bless. It's not this. And then when it was, it was just the worst. Yeah. So basically, it interferes with your brain's ability to communicate with the neurons in, and that move your muscles, so your muscles all atrophy. So it started with a little bit of twitching or vesiculations, they call it, in, your, in his leg. So his, his muscles were doing this all day and all night. Just kind of just, just firing, Like twitching. firing out Ugh. until he yeah, lost the use of his legs and then his hands and then he had lobster claws and then ultimately his speech and then his lungs. It's a horrible, slow pain. It, it's Well, talking about using worst. humor to get through hard stuff, mm-hmm. I he loved did. his Google reviews. <laughs> I mean, with that keyboard that he had Man, to operate with his best. retinas, writing up the craziest <laughs> reviews yeah. about, as a handicapped person, I so, enjoyed this. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, he may, in the final months of his life, he did these like Google, many Yelp did and Google like, until Yelp kicked him off at Google reviews of funny places like Days Market next to our house or Lagoon or Dairy Queen or a, a urology clinic. And he would write these ridiculous genius and he, and he would misspell things and he'd say, as for me in my house or as a handicapped person, I just rolled in, <laughs> you know, and just like there's some really, really funny lines and a lot of them. And he would just sit there and, you know, that was his his job yeah. <laughs> in his uh-huh. head and just laugh and just typing with his eyes and just laugh at himself. He'd have me read it out loud in my thick Utah accent because oh, yeah. that's how it's supposed to be mm-hmm. read. And he's like, I'm going to post it. And I'm like, you should. It's oh my really gosh. Funny. I loved following him on Instagram. That was like so the happiest great. thing. Yes. Or like we were joking because we would lay in our sleep number bed in zero G and he'd have like this big trilogy machine that helped him breathe for a while. And we would watch the news and it was like when COVID was breaking, it was like, and whatever you do, don't touch your face, you know, and it spreads the disease. And Chris just started laughing and I was like, what are you laughing? He's like, I haven't touched my face since 2017. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's like, got it. I won't touch my face. And I don't know. We just thought that was the funniest thing. You know, like you do when you have a terminal disease and you're facing yeah. a worldwide mm-hmm. pandemic. You yeah, just, just make, make jokes joke about, about touching it. your face. So. Well, I thought it was inspiring. I loved following along the things that he would share. Yeah. But I thought you were inspiring. Like such a pillar of strength. Because I can't imagine coming home from an appointment where you know you know how this is going to end. And like worst. carrying that with you and preparing for that. And I know you and I had a conversation about an end of life estate planning. Oh yeah. There's a whole nother podcast episode oh, about totally, why we need to that be doing I feel that very strongly about everyone. Yep, totally. But I want to know what, what was your secret source of strength as you went through that? Like faith, oh, therapy, I don't know if it's family, friends, what? A secret, but like all of the things. It was so overwhelming and such a shock that I literally went into shock. Like I was cold all of the time. I couldn't remember things. We didn't talk about it for like two weeks. We were both just overwhelmed. And then you know, he's walking funny with a cane. And so people are like, you should see my back guy. You know, you really ought to get, let me help you out. You know what you need? And, you know, here we know. And we're just like, it totally. And we had a neurologist that was in our, our local congregation. And he was like, you are walking still. So you got to come into my office. Like, let me help you out. Like, is it your, you know, your back and stuff. And we looked at him like, 
Oh. It's not his back. And he was like, oh, you know what it is? And I was like, it was ALS. And he went mm. white. Yeah. Because he's one of the, I mean, all the blood drained yeah. from his head. He knows as a neurologist, like, what that means. And looking at him react just made me sick to my stomach. And I was like, well, here we go. Like, this is how everyone's going to react now. Anyway, there's no way to escape it. So what was lucky for me, which is the theme of my life, is Chris's attitude and how he was with it. Because in those early days, it was really hard because you know how it ends. Like there's no... Well, maybe, maybe. there'll be a cure. It's like maybe. he used to say, like at least with cancer, you can be like, well, we're trying chemo. Or with a right. brain tumor, well, we're going to get surgery. We're going to be aggressive and we're going to do da 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 There's no hope. It's There's zero. And so you go up to the clinic, you see all the specialists, and we have one of the best in the country near us in Salt Lake City, and we you go to them, and they're like, and we're like, we read this article, and what about this and this? And he's like, you can try whatever you want. We'll support you in whatever you want, and we're still doing research, but, you know, like, how can we help you? And, and, and I think what they meant by that was how can we, like, help you live your life? And so then it's like wrapping your head around it. So I just went into well, what do I do? I do all the things. So, you know, I would go running and I started seeing a therapist and I went on antidepressants and I prayed and I talked and I, you know, all the things that they tell you to do, I've tried them all. And then there comes a point though, where you're like, I just have to face this reality. But it was easy, easier to do with Chris because he felt very strongly, um, I agreed to this before I came to earth. God has a plan for me. I'm going to enjoy each day. I want us to live not like, I'm sick and I'm dying. I want us to live and get as many normal days as we can. You know, kids coming in and out, you know, yelling at them to do their chores or what, like normal, regular days. And and once he gave me that job, quote unquote, you know, like vision, like, let's just live our lives as normally as possible. He's like, and I'm not in denial. He's like, I know that this... I know that this disease will kill me, but I don't want to live like it's going to kill me. I just want to have as many normal days until we can't do it anymore. And so that's just how we tried. And then Christopher got some great advice from his therapist, which really helped us, which was like, let yourself feel sorry for yourself and cry for 10 or 15 minutes a day. Do it. Like, feel awful about it because it is awful. And then wipe away the tears and then, like, get on with living your life. Yeah. And Christopher... Didn't Did take, he do it? Yeah, but he didn't need 10 or 15 minutes a day. Yeah. I always did. Yeah. I needed a little longer, but that's okay. It's just a secret between us. No, I think that... No, but you know, I, it was really good I, advice. And so we didn't live the last four years just like crying every day. Like, this is the last, you know, Christmas yeah. or this is the last... Nope, we never talked like that. It was just like, what a beautiful moment. And you know, he was able to get a blessing from a dear, dear friend that in our faith tradition was very, very meaningful to us. And in that blessing, he was promised that some of the best days were ahead of him. And that really like gave him such a boost and me too. He's like, yeah, that makes sense. I feel like that's true too. Like I feel like it is in my heart that some of my favorite best memories are still going to happen. I'm not just waiting to die. I'm still living life. And and we did have some of our best memories. That, That did come true. That was true. So... Uh, that just speaks to the power of our perspective. Like that's, oh, yeah. it's and everything. Yeah. Because I know a lot of people right now are struggling with just all the effects of COVID and yeah. the uncertainty. And in some ways it feels like this interminable. And you feel like you're going to feel this way forever too. Yes. And and the thing that I think I've, I've discovered that's so important as a mom is to just let our kids 
know it's okay to be sad and yeah. scared. Like, and not try to like brush the, it aside. Like, no, 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 it's okay. Yeah. And it's you can okay. cry about it every day if this. you want. Yeah. It's okay. We, we can feel those yeah. feelings. This is sad. This is awful. But the best days are still ahead of us. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. It's good advice for me to take because some days I don't really believe that, but... <laughs> We can pretend. We can pretend. Hey, fake it till you make it. I say it all the time. As an adult, though, it is easier to sometimes, you know, shift our perspectives mm-hmm. and when we face challenges like that. But you have five kids. Your oldest is yeah. 22 mm-hmm. and your youngest is 12, Declan's age. Yep. What were some of the conversations that you had with your kids? Like, did you have different conversations? About or the were diagnosis? They, were they involved in all of it? And- well, I'll never forget when we had to tell him at first. We put him in, into our bedroom. Ugh, it was the one of the worst days of my whole life. And we said, we need to talk to you guys. And they were like, sounds serious. And we're like, it is. Because we're just not a serious family. Mm -hmm. And so at the time, Miles was 18. And so we had 18, 16, 14, 12, and 8. And um, no one really understood it except for Miles, Mm -hmm. really. At 18, he was the one that was like, wait, what are you, what? Are you kidding? And he understood and took it really, like, you would, like it was a gut punch. The rest of the kids didn't get it, and that was really hard. And in fact, we've talked about it since, because four years at that time developmentally is like huge, huge significance. I was talking with my now 15-year-old son, Hugh, who was 12 at the time, and he's like, I had no idea what you were really telling me, and that all I could do is, like, I just was... I, I, my video game was paused and I just wanted to go play video games because I remember you let us play video games for the rest of the day. Like you didn't even care. It was so great. And that's what he remembers. That is insight into a 15 year old brain right there. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I had no idea. And so, and I knew that too. And we kind of looked at Miles, our oldest, and was like, well, you're the only one that got a carefree childhood. So, so how did you like so help them find optimism when they started to figure out what was going on? I think and- they followed their dad's lead. We all did. Cause it was like, you look to your parents, right? When you're that age of like, is, should I freak out? It's like, you know, yeah. when your kid's a toddler and they fall down and they hurt their knee. And if you go, Oh my gosh. And make such a huge deal yes. about it, then they like cry more. And sometimes if you're like, Oh, are you okay? Okay. Get up. Like then they go, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's okay. You know, yeah. you can I'm kind, okay because mom's can, okay. Yeah, you can kind yeah. of influence it a little bit. And and I feel like they were like, oh, wow, dad's went from a cane to a walker. Oh, that's funny. But he's making jokes about it. So, okay, he walks. My dad walks funny. Big deal. Oh, my dad's in a wheelchair. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they, they adapted so well. And it's a real testament to my kids because they want to laugh too. And yeah. they wanted to please their dad. And he found ways just to give them permission just to joke and laugh. I mean, we were joking and laughing the last week before he passed. It. Yep. Well, I just got a letter from our one of my kids' schools asking parents, you know, everyone has to wear masks, yeah. specifically asking the parents to please have a good attitude about it. Yeah. And if you are complaining and disgruntled about having to wear masks, your kids are going to have a hard time 100%. too. So I thought that was really great yeah. that they just called us out on it because it's yeah. true. The, the tone that we set, the example that we set, that means everything for our kids. And They're- I'll tell you too, like, especially in this climate, before, when COVID happened, we sat our kids down and we were like, your dad is compromised. If your dad gets COVID, he dies hundred percent. So we, we can't mess around. So we're not letting anyone in our house. You can't have your friends over and your friends could probably like be a little bit more lenient. We can't in our family yeah. and here, and they knew why. And they were like, no, we totally get it. None of them complained. It was hard on them. You know, for my kids, they'll never look at anyone in a wheelchair the same way. They'll never not open up the door or help somebody in a wheelchair, ever. They will never park park in a handicapped parking (laughs) illegally. 
it's no big deal because they've heard their mother. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, that is the ultimate sin, just in case anyone wanted to know. Thank you. <laughs> I think out of like every hard thing that we go through, and you yeah. guys have been through the hardest, um, there's always some beautiful thing that we get on the other end. And Well, you have to in- look for it. I think it's a survival. If you say everything is bad, you can find it, especially in a situation like that. And it's just yeah. like, you know, when you're at the bottom and you, you're still falling down and you're just looking for any sort of light, any sort of goodness, any sort of like blessing or ray of light or positive, positive thing or whatever, you're just, you're desperate for it in a way that mm-hmm. you might just go, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Oh, that was cool. You know, it, it changes. And I think my kids have had a glimpse of that. So, Well, I think for mothers, often, especially if you're a stay-at-home mother with a lot of little kids, it can feel like interminable, long oh, days yeah. that will never end. And how will I survive? I mean, I, I had seven kids within 15 years, I think. Oh, wow. And I know I had days that felt like that. Yeah. So having per- new perspective is really helpful. And so I want to take a moment to talk about your book. Because okay. not only is she an award-winning <laughs> actress and a radio host and the strongest, like most amazing woman I know, she also wrote a book, <laughs> which was titled Real Moms, Making It Up As We Go, which the, you wrote this book before. You oh, were yeah, the years before. Real Mom. Yeah, which so is so another funny sign when you were like, Real Mom. I was like, okay. But I love that part of the title, Making It Up As We Go, because so much of mm-hmm. life is doing that, especially as a mother. And I remember there was a section in that book that was called um, Advice You Didn't Ask For. Okay. <laughs> so I I've been asking you for some <laughs> advice here, but I want I wanted to know, do you have a nugget that you can just share with our listeners with some mothering advice that Ooh. we didn't know that we needed? Yeah, I think I wish that I could just sit my former self down. You know, like, you know, you have like, you've mothered for a while and you're like, oh no, this is the thing or whatever. I think for me, it would be, I, I wish that I could say, you know, all these good things that you want for your kids are the very best. Yes, you are right. You want all of the very, very best things for your kid, but don't miss out on the the wonderful individuality of each kid and their path in sacrifice for that vision. It's not worth it. Yep. Do you know, you know? And I think that in society, I think it's getting a little bit better, but we make it harder on each other by the way that we judge each other or like categorize each other. Like when I was Growing up, it was like the stay-at-home moms versus the working moms, the da-da-da-da, you know. And and you can come up with a million – I mean, they're always popping up of like, you know, the homeschool moms and the public school moms or the, you know, breastfeeding or formula, you know, whatever. mask-wearing and the not mask-wearing Or mask-wearing and not mask – exactly. And I just always think, oh, what a waste of time and energy, first of all, to worry about what anybody else thinks about what you're doing. But second of all, of like being able to share and connect with friends. I've met a lot of women who think – well, I'm too busy, and so I don't need friends, you know. And I just think that's not very helpful. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, and and I've learned on the other side of why that is. It's because you can learn to love your kid and the path that they're going to take more if you see more examples of it, right? And so, uh, you know, I've had other mothers encourage me and saying, "Don't worry about that. Don't worry. I know you're. I know you're stressed. Don't even worry about that. Here's why." And they're on the other end of it, and it's been so helpful and so freeing, because sometimes when you just put yourself into the same sort of like tornado of mm-hmm. well, what are you doing for da 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 da, and 
and you're just giving your each other this sort of same advice and it's and you don't know that you're caught in it and that it's kind of like a competition. And Social it's not media real. It's kind not of perpetuates real. that yeah. tornado, doesn't it? I think so. Do you and I feel that at all? Well, yeah, I mean, I think I'm kind of the grandma of the internet, though. So, like, I raised half my kids without social media, and then half like with yeah, social media. So, I feel like it gives me like this superpower to sort of see what it was like without. Mm-hmm. And it's totally like there's some great ways to connect with people, and it's great. Like, I've met some really great friends because of social media, but it's a slippery slope. Yeah. And I just feel like. Each kid is so different, and they can feel it. They can feel it if you think they're not doing what you think is the best. And there's that's not what you want in motherhood. They want approval they, more yes, than anything. Yes, and they just want your love. That's yeah. it. Like, it's we complicate it so much, you know, and if they, you know, read before the first grade or get a scholarship to a college or graduate with honors or, I don't know, or star in a rock band or whatever it is, whatever, you know, because there's a million things or not, it doesn't matter because they're your kid and you're the, I don't know, I just feel like your role as mom is so critical that you just kind of go like, got to let go of the other stuff. So the grand secret is just loving your kid for That's it. Keep the it individual. Simple. Yeah. I love it. Okay. The famous Chapbooks commercial, let's yes. go back to the commercial, yes. starts out with this line. Actually, do you know it by heart? I have three kids and I work from home. So. And so people naturally ask me how I find so much time to relax, right? Stay so calm, Stay so and, calm and organized. organized. <laughs> That's it. That gets a big laugh every time as she emerges from the bathtub fully dressed. Um, but you are a working mom yes. of five kids. Yes. And so I want to know, how do you, Lisa Clark, mm-hmm. do it? Do what? <laughs> <laughs> I want to be really real without being too self-deprecating. How? Because now you are I've a single working every, mom. Oh my now gosh! You don't yes. have your partner, so you've no. got five kids. You've got a full-time job. You have other projects. You. It's just crazy, and this is a weird time in my life too. Because even though for the last year and a half, two years, Christopher's been permanently disabled, so on disability, not going into work full time because he couldn't move or talk, mm-hmm. um, he's still been working and he's still a support, yeah. you know? And so he was still there to be like, well, what should we do about this? And da, 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 And what do you think about him or her or that or the other? Or will you just be here physically to make sure so-and-so gets home and, and that kind of, and comes and goes this way or whatever? Or he took over. I mean, and he was just another touchstone too yes. for the kids. And to- he, and I mean, for not being able to move or talk, he... he- did a lot, you know, he was there, he helped homeschool them, like, and it took longer, but it was great. And so I'm in a period of transition right now, because it's only been, you know, two months, a little over two months. And so a little bit of me is like, well, now that is a huge adjustment. And I'm just coming out of another huge adjustment. So how do I do it? Mm -hmm. I am not, first of all, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that are going that I and never any mom thought. Who's being honest yes, and any mom that. who's being and listen, and I and I'm cutting myself some slack. I'm in this horrible position right now of being a new widow and a single mom, and I've got a lot of great things going on with that. I've got a great job, and I've got supportive friends and family. I'm trying to figure it out right now, though. Yeah. I really am trying to figure it out. I will say this though. That my kids' ages are helping. We're like this unit now. And I feel like I'm not mothering them as much as we're like, okay, team, 
Yes. Now what? So I go to work really early and I'm here. So who's going to help these guys get off to school or who's going to pick up her then and like help, help me understand. And then I have, you know, two adult sons and a daughter who's a senior, who's very mature, who's like, oh, I can do this and I can do that. Yeah, and it's taking things off my plate. Now, before, I, that would have mortified me. I'm the mom. I'm the parent. I'm going to take care of everything. Yeah, I'm not going to put this okay. yeah, on my kids. That's too much for a kid. I want them to have a childhood like this, and then we'll do like this. And it's having those preconceived notions and just going, well, this is how it has to be right now, and I hope that they get... They're going to learn something else. They're going to be better off I had for no it. no idea. Yes, Team Clark. That's or I say to them, it. you're going to have so much to tell your therapist. Before, <laughs> oh and I always gosh. say this, before you go into your therapist and go into it, because I get it. I've given yeah, you a lot. Just tell them that I tried real, real hard. Just <laughs> say that at the beginning <laughs> and then say whatever you want. And I just, and I won't complain. Just say, she really, she really tried. Hey, I believe everyone can benefit from therapy, <laughs> no matter what you've been through. So there's no shame in that game. So I came on set one day, actually the day that you were in and out of the bathtub. Yes. Like a gazillion takes. I, I remember because I was so warm. embarrassed to meet you and I was like soaking wet. Like, oh, this is the company's present. Oh, nice to meet you. And as I'm like toweling off. <laughs> well, can you give us any other little sneak peek insights about the filming of the commercial? Like, was it all scripted? Was it improv? Any behind the scenes bloopers or mistakes? I, oh, give it us was the good juicy so, stuff. You got it. Like, I, it was so much fun. So it was a few days of shooting. And I remember, you know, you, you shoot everything out of sequence, right? Mm -hmm. And it was really great. We had a really good director and assistant um, director who were like, okay, so here's the whole theory of it. And so we're just getting really, you know, ridiculous. Like, you know, the kid that jumps off the roof and there's a stunt person. Uh -huh. And, and I think the first scene was me like wrapping his ankle, mm -hmm. you know? And so we're shooting it out of, out of sequence, but I knew how all the pieces fit together. So it's a lot to remember, but there was a really fun, playful, like feeling on set. And the thing that I liked about it is that they once they got to know me, I'd say, okay, I'll, let's make sure we get the line and get a clean shot. And then they would say something like, okay, now on this take, you can do whatever you want. Mm. And so I always knew it was coming, which was really, really great and super freeing and really encouraging for improv, right? So do they use many of those? Yeah, so takes? they used a lot of them, I which bet. was really fun. And like when, the, my, when my daughter tries to jump out the window, she thought it was a game of like, I'm not going to let you catch me. She would say that before each take. And I was like, but you know that, um, and the day was going on and going on. And her mom was giving her Coke to <laughs> Coca-Cola. <Coke>, yes. <laughs> I mean, just stay away. Hollywood. It was late. I know. That's why I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't say that. So she was really hyper and she kept really jumping out, like getting out of my hands. Like she was better than me oh at that. Gosh. And the director was like, you've got to really catch her. So when you looked up at my face, that was not acting because I was oh, like, oh, we're really going to get her. So that was funny. And then I remember when we were doing the the catching the arrow scene, that was really fun because yeah, I was like, did you do that? I, so that they taped it they to my hand. Arrow. So then I just pretended like oh, I would catch so it. Slide of hand and then they were like, we'll paint it out frame by frame of that. So I thought that was kind of fun. Oh. But then the line after that wasn't working or something. They had shot it a couple times and they were like, well, what would you say if you were doing it? And I was like, roll, are we ready? I got this. And I was like, I would just say, 
I'm so tired. Because that's what I would really say. And so (laughs) that's actually my favorite line in the whole thing because I was like, that is the most true thing I've ever said (laughs) in my life. With the twitching eye, that was... Oh, yeah, that was improv too. Amazing. But there's one other line that I love and I want to read it. Okay. My family life is insane and I want to hold on to every single freaking stupid, stressful, beautiful moment. I think that just so yeah. perfectly encapsulates. I got kind of choked up when I life. would say that. Because I, I thought, felt that. that's how I feel. It is, because that is real life. Yeah. It's not picture perfect no. pretty all the time. Uh-uh. And you are a living, breathing testament of that, of how freaking stressful, yeah. stupid it can be. But yeah. it's also beautiful. In and the you end. want every moment of it. That's the thing. You do want to like suck in those moments and just ooh, imprint them on your heart like forever. For sure. Well, thank you for capturing this heart and soul and spirit of chat books. <laughs> thank you for and casting me. me. I feel like we are soul sisters. You bet. We're living the same life. Together forever. <laughs> BFFs. All Absolutely. right. You're awesome. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining the Mom Force. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review and come join the conversation over on our Mom Force Facebook group. And check out the show notes for a special chat books discount code. Until next time.